You want to say great. nice things, Eric? Nice things, Eric. Hosting and bandwidth provided by the Blue Box Group. Check them out at bluebox.net. You're fantastic at coding, but do you have an action plan to take it to the next level? The upcoming book, Next Level Freelance, will help you optimize your freelance business for happiness. The book is packed with actionable steps to make more money, case studies, tips to find more clients, and exercises for you to establish your desired lifestyle. Extras include nine interviews with freelancers who make great money while enjoying great work-life balance, videos on strategies to find quality subcontractors, and videos on making more free time by outsourcing your daily tasks. Check it out today, nextlevelfreelance.com. This episode is sponsored by Planscope. Planscope is a project management and collaboration app built for freelancers and the way they work with clients. It makes it easy to price out new estimates and once you're underway, help answer the question, will this get done on time and under budget? I've been using Planscope to do my estimates and manage my projects and I really, really like it. It makes it really easy to keep things in order and understand when things will get done. You can go check it out at planscope.io. Hey, everybody, and welcome to episode 101 of The Freelancer Show. This week on our panel, we have Eric Davis. Hello. Ruben Lerner. Hey, everyone. I'm Charles Maxwood from devchat.tv, and this week we have a special guest, and that's Dan Kremza. It's Daniel Kremza, yes. Daniel Kremza. Hi. So, uh, you want to introduce yourself really quickly? Sure. I run a digital agency called Kremza Digital. The website is kremza.com. We build custom solutions and mainly focus on uh, social reward programs and loyalty campaigns. Our clients are mainly CPG and entertainment brands between 10 million and 100 million dollars a year. We are in Los Angeles, so that makes it convenient. Uh, some of the examples um, of our clients are Live Nation, Ticketmaster, Amoeba, but we also work with other agencies to get clients like Microsoft and Discover Card. We've been around for 13 years, have about 20 people in our uh, organization, have two offices, three offices in uh, two countries, two in the U.S. and one in Europe, in Slovakia. Awesome. So we, we brought you on this week to talk about Facebook campaigns and, and using Facebook to get the word out about your uh, product or uh, service. I'm assuming you've done some fairly large campaigns. What is it that makes a campaign particularly successful? So a successful campaign, that's a good question. I think is a, a unique campaign that attracts the person's attention and enough to a point where they share it with their friends. Technically speaking, I would say a successful campaign is something that brings in at least or that, that Every person that you're driving through ads will bring in at least one additional person through the social channels. That is a successful campaign. Very rarely this is achieved. I was able to be part of one. It wasn't a campaign. It's a, it's a program. It's called Opinion Poll, where we were able to achieve 1.1 virality. Uh, which means that every person that came to the poll application brought another 1.1 people with them. And as you can imagine, this creates a viral effect. And ultimately, the application grows. The application has been going on for, I want to say, five years now. We have about 15 million authenticated users. The growth has stopped due to a number of changes on Facebook, but it's still pretty a strong application. 
I never thought of it in terms of uh, how viral it was, but but that makes some sense. In our markets, it seems like we're a little bit a little bit more niche focused. Usually, we're focused on like one area or another. You know, for us, it's Rails development, or if we're writing an ebook, it's going to be for programmers or you know freelancers or or what have you. So, in those cases, can you still get that level of virality? I guess that's the word you use. The market has been changing a lot, you know, a lot in in the past few years. Facebook celebrating ten years anniversary and has gone through a variety of changes. Back in a day, that's like five years ago, it was possible to create viral apps for anybody. Everybody who just had a good idea and kept things simple and focused on bringing or leveraging the social element, social factor, it was able, they were able to do so. At this point, you hear a lot of people talking about pay to play. And unfortunately, that is true more and more. There are expe- exceptions, but I myself have been trying to recreate the success that we had previously, and I'm still trying. Just just so I understand, so you're trying to say that basically you could have done a viral campaign, marketing campaign, just through, say, Facebook postings and strategic blogging and so forth, the traditional sorts of marketing stuff, but not paying for advertising, and now you're finding you have to also advertise? Correct. The reasons why is that, number one, there's a lot of competition. I mean, you have the Zingas of the world playing in the same playground as you are. Number two, Facebook themselves is a competitor. They have ads to sell. They have money to make. And then you have, you know, all the, all the friends and family that are, that are interacting with the brand. So, or with the, uh, with the Facebook, with the platform. So you have all these competitors that you have to compete against. And it's tough. And the way to get forward is to buy ads. So let's set up a hypothetical here. I I really like getting into kind of the nuts and bolts of some of this stuff. Let's say that uh, I have this friend that's written a couple of ebooks and uh, he wants to get the word out about his ebooks and he has some specific markets, you know, freelancers or developers or whatever. And, you know, so he decides that he wants to try and get the word out on Facebook. What kinds of things should he be doing um, in order to, uh, kind of build that following on Facebook? So, uh, first of all, the product has to be good. That's not different than any other marketing that you do anywhere else. It's it's just a different channel. All right, But the base, the fundamentals are still the same no matter what. You have to have a solid product. Now you have to tailor that product to an audience that's ACD or ADC, Attention Deficit Disorder, ADD, right? They consume, you know, they scroll through a page uh, very quickly and you have to capture them somehow. So you got to pick probably the best thing that you got in this book or several best things and in a very easy way present them to the user and do so probably multiple times. The more relevant you are, the better chances you have in succeeding. So how do you get that in front of the right audience? You got to start with friends. Uh, you gotta start with your network. If you have pages, you put it on pages, and if you don't, then you have to leverage Facebook ads. Can you build a Facebook page while you're working on a book or a product? Absolutely. A Facebook page is very simple to build. Facebook has nice tutorials and information about it. It's, it's very simple. What should you put on it in order to get people to like it? You gotta show some value at the page. You gotta pick something that the, your, target audience needs. 
there's, I'm sure you've talked about avatars and all this stuff. You gotta find out who your audience is and then tailor to that audience. It can be different for different people. Giving away stuff also helps. That is also the reason why we focus and build things that allow us to reward people for taking action and also reward influencers for bringing people that take action. Oh, interesting. So what kinds of things are you doing there? For I, I think we understand, you know, giving something away, but uh, how do you reward influencers for bringing people in, especially to something like a Facebook page where there isn't any money exchanging hands yet? What we do is we have a, a platform that we've worked on, that we've built for the last three years, that allows us to measure where people come from, as other systems do, like Google Analytics and, and other ones. But also it lets us measure who owns the link that you use to come from. So, for example, you, Charles, if you came across a site and that rewarded influencers was using our system, you would get this short code. It can be short code like a vip.me slash Charles. And then that short code would take that, take anybody to, for example, the book on Amazon. And if somebody came through the book and came through your link and bought the book, if we were to integrate with Amazon's API to get the information who bought the books, we would be able to reward you for all the people that came through your link to buy the books. Did that make sense? Yeah, it sounds like a an affiliate program. Very lightweight affiliate program, yes. So can you do the same thing with a Facebook page? See who referred somebody to it? So yes, on the Facebook page, you can pretty much do the same thing. Facebook is a little more secretive about the places where people come from uh, or how Facebook is growing, but yes, you can do the same thing. The one thing to mention, though, is Facebook page is a third-party page. You do not own any information that's on the page. Facebook can shut you down if they choose to at any point, and you will not have any information about your users. The best thing is to leverage a Facebook page just as a marketing channel, as any other social pages. You have you know, the Instagrams, the Twitter pages, they all work the same way. You don't own them. You just build up an audience that's a audience that potentially can convert to sales, but the sales and everything are happening on your site, which if this is not something that you guys have not talked about before, 100%, I think you should have your own property, a property that you control and can do more things about and also collect emails. Unless you have users, actual contact information to users and can reach out to them 100% of the time, you're going to have a hard time in the future trying to sell them something. Because Facebook pages at this point have only about 10% reach. Right, So if I post something on a Facebook page, not all 100% of my fans will get it. Only about 10% or less if you have pages that are that have more than 500,000 likes. We have some pages that have 1.5 to 2 million fans on them that we manage. And, and they get even less percentage than the smaller pages. So I'm, I'm curious, Daniel. So if I'm interested in marketing something, whether it's an ebook or uh, an online course that I'm doing, something like that, is Facebook the right place to advertise? What would be the reasons to go to Facebook or what would be the reasons not to use Facebook for that sort of advertising as an advertising channel? Good question. Keep in mind that Facebook is an affinity platform or affiliate platform. That basically means what I'm trying to say is that it's a platform where 
people indicate who they like and who they don't like. Don't like. They don't necessarily intend to make a purchase. They go to Google when they intend to make a purchase or other pla- or other search engines or other platforms that are meant to transactional, you know, to get and transact something. So usually Facebook is a place where you go gather the audience, the right audience, to then retarget and sell the book. But Google makes more sense for things like selling a book because that's where people go to find the information and to act on that information. So the difference between Facebook and and Google or other ones is Facebook is affinity while Google is intent. Right. So Another way to kind of look at it is with Google, like most people are going to Google or a search engine when they have a problem and they're looking for a solution. And that's where those kind of ads work best versus Facebook or um, if you're familiar with like Google, Google's display network where those are the ads that show like on a third party site. Those are the kind of the more ads where someone's off, you know, reading a site or they're browsing their Facebook feed and they kind of see oh, here's something interesting. Like, here's an ad that's interesting to me because it's a topic I care about. Um, and from what I understand, Facebook and those kind of like interest type ads are best for giving away something free, like to get someone onto a mailing list or kind of the the more soft touch of sales and marketing versus Google, which is more of the commercialized type. Exactly. So if I if I have a product that I want to sell for money, then it sounds like based on what you guys are saying, yeah, I can use Facebook, but not directly. First, I should advertise on Facebook to, f- to, to people who are potentially interested in the subject. And then I give them something for free, whether it's an email course or a sample or something. And then based on that, maybe I can get them to convert to the actual purchase. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And there's another, I, I haven't done it. I've heard of people doing it, so I don't know exactly, but, um, the retargeting where someone comes to your site once, um, and they leave without purchasing or signing up or doing the action you want, you end up kind of advertising to that specific person on other sites. So say they come to my blog and then they leave. Well, then I can have a system that on Facebook advertises to them to get them to come back to my blog. That's basically retargeting. That seems to work good on Facebook and stuff like that because they might have came to your site, they forgot, and they might have completely forgot about you, and maybe they had the intention of coming back, and they're just, like I said, idly browsing Facebook, and they see your retargeting ad, and it says, hey, come back to my blog, and they're like, oh, shoot, I forgot to go back. I've heard that's been doing pretty good, I guess, over the past few months. Um, I don't have any personal experience with it yet, though. I do have some experience with that. Uh, We've been running it for a few clients of ours, and I can confirm that it does work better and it it also makes sense if i like something you know i'll I'll go to the page and then i i'm not gonna kind of make a purchase i'm gonna forget about it if i'm not ever reminded i will most likely not make a purchase but if i'm reminded i will go back and i'll probably make a purchase so this works well on on google as well as facebook so can can you guys describe how this works i i I sort of think i understand but i'm not quite understand sure I understand how the mechanics work. Basically, on your site, you put a JavaScript zip that does a cookie, and so it you know drops a cookie and tells Facebook's advertising platform, like, hey, this visitor has come to my blog. And then so on Facebook, they kind of read that cookie and they know that this person came on your blog, um, they were, you know, it's linked in their database, and they know that that person was there, you know, 13 days ago, they saw this page and this page, and then based on your advertising settings, you have it set up to show them an ad, we'll say once a day, and 
basically do that until that cookie gets removed where you have a conversion. Um, and that's, that's basically the technical side of it. It's pretty simple. It's just kind of like, you know, connecting different things. And Facebook has a clearly defined API for JavaScript or even a library that does this. I haven't set it up. I'm pretty sure I looked at Google's, um, cause Google has it too. And there's third parties also. It's just like Google Analytics where it's JavaScript. You just drop this on a page and then you set it up in the advertising to say, here's the ad to run when someone's doing this. It's basically the same thing on Facebook. Wow. That's pretty nifty. So just to clarify then, this creates an affinity between your website and the user or some kind of connection anyway in Facebook. So then when they're browsing through Facebook, it shows them another ad or it shows them your Facebook ad? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Um, one example, a guy um, out of, I guess, two years ago, the MicroConf, he basically was trying to, he's an advertising consultant, and I think he used Google, and he cranked it up all the way, and he said he was able to, in a browser, go to his site, and then just browse the internet like normal, and his ad actually had his face, and he said his face was plastered all over the internet because he had it such a high, it's basically he said he turned on stalker mode, and so you can kind of think like that's the high end of like it, it can follow you around and until you actually click and convert, it will keep doing that. And it, you know, it burns through your advertising budget and all that, but this was a test. So you can think if you scale it down to very little and just kind of that standard sales thing of like, you know, talk to someone, you know, seven times and eventually they might buy the product or leave. That's basically how you can use it. Wow. Now, now my impression is also that, and I haven't done anything with this, but my impression is that on Facebook, you can target not just, so like in Google AdWords, you can target words, but on Facebook, you can target people's interests based on their likes or geography or other things. Can, can you guys describe that a bit more? Or, or tell me I'm totally wrong? <laughs> You're absolutely right. Facebook tracks users and tries to collect as much information about them as possible. So Facebook knows your history, how old you are, where you come from, what schools you went to, what friends you have, what your friends do, uh, how close they are with you, which ones are closer than others, as well as additional information outside of Facebook, like what applications or pages you go to, and so on. So they have a pretty clear idea of who you are and can target ads to you as best as they manage to do that. So that's kind of like what I was talking about the difference. Whereas Google, you're, you're mostly targeting the search, like what term they're using. You can use other stuff like where the search came from geographically and whatnot, but it's mostly around the term. That's the whole keyword, um, analytics and all that. With Facebook, you're targeting like who is doing the search, not what are they searching for, but who. Exactly. Well, that's a great distinction. Well, I guess you, you said this before, but you found also that Facebook ads actually convert. Like they, they can turn people into customers because quite frankly, when I go to Facebook, I don't really see very many ads or I don't think I'm seeing very many ads. So I have to wonder how often they're really being posted. So on the right side, you usually see ads that's owned by Facebook. And also if you're on mobile, you see a lot of ads inside the feed itself. They're called, if you look for a, a wall post or on a wall post, you will see there is a text called sponsored, right? If it's sponsored, then it's paid. I get them all the time, so I'm sure you do as well, but they're masked within the wall, within the feed, to make them seem like they're authentic wall posts. Yeah, I, I just realized I, 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 I forgot to turn off my uh, ad blocker, That's why I, so I don't see the ones on the right, but I definitely have seen those inside the wall, and they do seem kind of sneaky to me. 
Right. There was a time back where Facebook said that they will never advertise on the wall. Unfortunately, that time is gone. Now they're advertising mainly on the wall. And from an advertiser standpoint, I don't think it's a bad move. Those ads do work because people think, I mean, Facebook went into a, a lot of work to make them authentic and relevant. So to me as a user, I find them relevant and I, I click on them and I'm looking at them as I'm scrolling through the wall. So I'm not ignoring them. They're not on the side. They're right in, right within the wall that I have and that I'm looking at. And to answer your previous question, Facebook ads do work. From my experience, it really depends on what you're doing, what you're trying to do. So if your intent is to sell people something, you probably have better chances on Google or Bing. If your intent is to grow an audience and build an affinity network, if you will, if I'm saying it correctly, mm-hmm. then your better place is on Facebook. Like Facebook has a very distinct place in the marketing ecosystem. Interesting. So when you're talking about building an affinity network, then that's where you're talking about multiple people that like a certain thing or are interested in a certain topic? Exactly. And so when you're when you're building that network, do you want to build it around like a particular topic or do you want to try and build it around a brand or a, a product? It depends on your brand or your product or your message. Okay. So for example, if you're on Apple, if you're Apple, you're fine just advertising Apple. Everybody loves Apple. Right, and mm-hmm. I'm a I'm a fan of Apple, right? And I'll be a fan of Apple's fan page because uh, I like Apple. But if you're uh, some other coffee shop dot com, right? I don't think you can build a lot of affinity around that. So in that case, when your brand is not known or popular or liked, you work with what you've got, and what you've got is usually information. So you build things about information. So you can build things about healthy coffee or recipes that involve coffee. <laughs> I don't know if there are any. But uh, you you build around the idea that will attract the people who will then make your purchase. That makes sense. So if your message is around uh, better freelancing or increasing your rate or whatever, then you, you build a group around that as opposed to going in and building it around your product because then you can have the conversations with people and kind of tailor things to what they're interested in. Absolutely. And if they're interested, they're going to share. And when they're, when they're sharing, that means that their friends who are also interested in that same topic will like and share again or can't. I haven't heard much about this before, but what do you think about the ideas of someone building an app to kind of draw people to, you know, like their page or, you know, be part of their community? I mean, versus getting advertising or just doing the kind of content marketing. So if you have the finances, I think it's definitely worth it. Because what you're getting, what you're getting with an app is like, that's the, like the next level, right? With pages, you only get basic information, basic actions like, share, comment. You don't even know who those people are. I mean, you can look through your feed and you find out, but you don't really have their emails or anything. You can't reach back back to them. Well, if you have an app, what you do is you ask people to authenticate into the app, and once they do, you get all of their information, including the email, which means that you can reach back to them. And in addition, you can have the people do other things than just like share and comment. You can have them engage with your app. Going back to the poll application that we've built, 
Right? Poll application lets them create polls and get and vote on polls. Uh, it's very simple, but just this very little just next step, right, makes the application very successful and very unique. So I think it makes total sense. And now you're kind of shifting the game. You have total control of when the people are coming in and what you're showing to those people. You can put in your ads in the application. You can put in your links to your books and other things inside the application. And people can share the application with their friends as well. So there's a, that's like a, another level. Did it make sense? Mm-hmm. A lot of people do. I mean, what you see nowadays is a lot of people are building applications and actually not even taking people to Facebook anymore. They build applications that lets people authenticate with Facebook, but they keep them on their site. Uh, for example, Hulu, I'm sure you know, has Facebook auth, right? They have a fan page, but they, they make money on, on Hulu because they stream videos and those videos have ads. And it makes total sense to have people authenticate with Facebook on Hulu because if they like something, it's much easier for them to share it with their friends. And now the friends, most likely people who also like the same videos, will go back to Hulu and play the videos and hopefully sign up. Well, and I also suspect, you know, by authenticating through Facebook, Hulu's getting access to the demographic data so they could see, like, okay, who are our actual customers? Like, oh, it's males age 34 to 36 or whatever. And, you know, they could do some analytics on that and, you know, that can feed into other marketing campaigns. Absolutely. And on top of that, if they ask for likes, they know what pages those users have actually liked in past. So if I, as a user, come to Hulu, I'd never had to use Hulu at all. And simply by authenticating, Hulu would be able to determine what are the best shows to present to me. Because I may like Simpsons, right? I've never watched Simpsons on Hulu, but because I liked Simpsons on Facebook and now I authenticated on Hulu, Hulu will serve Simpsons to me because they know I like them. So there's power in that. Just to elaborate a little bit more on it, because I authenticate with Facebook, Hulu also has access to my friends. And if some of my friends are on Hulu, then they can look at their pattern and what they've been watching and even if I didn't like anything, just the fact that I have friends who like stuff will also allow them to determine what movies to present to me. And all of this goes back to personalization, higher relevancy, and ultimately converts to more views, which ultimately converts to more sales through ads. Facebook is obviously the, the 900-pound or maybe even the 90,000-pound gorilla when it comes to these sorts of social networks and advertising, and it sounds like they've got a very sophisticated platform for it. I know that I've been reading and hearing increasingly over the last few weeks, even all these dire predictions for Facebook that it's going away, that it's not popular anymore with younger people. Uh, I know that my, my kids, uh, my, my 13 year old, for instance, I mean, she was on Facebook all the time. And yes, I'm a terrible father for letting my daughter be on Facebook at that age. We'll talk about that another time. But basically, she and her friends are no longer using Facebook. They're using other things like uh, WhatsApp. So do you see a decline in the usefulness of Facebook? Facebook is changing. It's always been changing. This is just another phase. I think what they've done that nobody else has done properly is build the user profile data. 
you remember there have been a number of similar sites, social sites before Facebook came around, like MySpace and High Five and you name it, right? Where they failed is where Facebook succeeded, and that is to create authentic connections amongst real people. Now, they still have thousands and millions of cheaters, and there's a lot of mess in it, but it's still a fraction compared to what anybody else had. I, on Facebook, am Daniel Kremza, and anybody can find me there under Daniel Kremza. I'm not some unknown, parentheses, something else name, right? It's me. And I have my friends in there, and they're authentic. And the fact, and that is really hard to beat, right? If you have, I mean, the size of it is gigantic. So they're not going to go away. They're just going to morph because they have this fundamental information that all the other people are sharing and reusing. And they know that. And they're purchasing other sites. They bought, was it about Instagram did they buy? Or what Mm -hmm. did they buy? Yeah, Instagram. Right. So Instagram is where the younger kids used to go. Now they're going to Snapchat. Snapchat is probably not going to sell. But there's going to be others and others and others. And it's just a, it's just a change. And Facebook is so wide. I mean, they, they do have a lot of reach, uh, and a lot of money behind them. So they can, they can morph as the behavior, user behavior morphs. So I don't think they're going to go away. I know they're not going to go away. <laughs> they're going to stay. I, I just, I just have one more question that might be unanswerable. Um, I mean, you were talking, Daniel, about all this, all this information that Facebook is collecting about us and how useful it is to us in marketing. Uh, is there a chance, though, that uh, just as Facebook has been sort of tainted to some degree about how much information they have about us and how they're collecting it, that we could get tainted with that same brush if we do marketing through Facebook? People are going to say, oh, well, this company, it's kind of creepy how much they know about me. So it, it would backfire? Sure, with power comes responsibility. If you have access to this information, you gotta make sure that you put processes in place to not abuse it and and use it correctly. If you go to the dark side, then people will not like you. But if you if you don't abuse it, if you play fair, and if you're relevant and helpful, then it is gonna work fine. And there is ton of examples of both. Makes sense. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do the picks. Reuven, do you have some picks for us? Uh, nothing new or exciting, but I decided that I've been using Thunderbird for a while for my email program. And, you know, I actually kind of like it. I, I used to complain that it was sort of kind of good enough. But actually, it's it's a pretty nice mature program. So I don't know how many people out there are looking for email programs anymore, given that virtually everyone probably already uses one. And I seem to be the only person I know who does not use and love Gmail. I neither use nor love it. But if you are looking for something else, then Thunderbird is definitely worth your while. That's it for me for this week. All right. Eric, what are your picks? Uh, so recently I read a book. It's called Mini Habits, Smaller Habits, Bigger Results. And so if you've listened to past episodes, you probably know I'm kind of a big habit not a freak, whatever you want to call it. But Mini Habits is it's interesting. It's basically you set up really tiny habits, like ones that would take like a minute or two to do. And the intention is like, you know, those days when you just feel like you can't do anything, at the very least, you can get through these and you might actually do kind of bonus work. So one example is like, you know, do one push up a day. And the intention is some days you're going to be, you know, do one. Some days you might do 10. Some days you might do 10 and then go run for six miles. It's a good book. Uh, it's kind of works the same as another pick I did in the past called Tiny Habits. Um, but this one, it's neat because it goes into some of the science and 
kind of talks about motivation and willpower and kind of how a lot of the habit methodologies are kind of looking at it backwards. So it's it's interesting to read if you're looking at habits or you want to kind of make some changes. All right. Well, uh, the only pick I have this week is antibiotics. I, I got a sinus infection and it's not been fun. <laughs> and I'm starting to feel better now. So uh, antibiotics, modern medicine. Uh, Daniel, do you have some picks? I don't think I have any, but um, there is one thing that I like, and unfortunately I don't recall the guy who was presenting it. It's more of a abstract concept, but one that's uh, going to be more mainstream uh, more and more, and that's that's the user's value. When we're doing you know, our work, we want to get paid for it, right? So... The only way that we look at other people is the monetary value. How much money can they give us, right, for what we know? And that's sad, right? But that's, that's the current state of world, right? Monetary value. But there is another value that a human has, and that's the social value. Right? And that value is not monetized well. And I've kind of hit, touched base on it with the rewards and rewarding people for bringing people. Right, because social value to me is as big as monetary value. Charles, you may not have a dollar in your pocket, but if you have a following of ten thousand people, you're very valuable to me as a marketer. Right? And up to this point there is really no way I as a marketer can leverage this information. There like there's like little hints, like things are coming up. More and more people are thinking about it this way, but it's still just early on. And this guy, which name I'm forgetting, had a really good presentation about this very concept. So just want to put it out there. All right. Well, uh, thanks for coming, Daniel. Really appreciate sure. you taking the time. Um, thanks for inviting me. We're going to go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, thank all our listeners for listening. Go leave us a review on iTunes. We'll catch you all next week. Bye.